Welcome to the lounge. Oh, it's so good to be back. Lounge Lizards, I've missed you so much. I've got Todd Crapper. We're talking about Pandora, Total Destruction, which kickstarts the day this drops. So I'm dropping it the same day. It's amazing. Todd's amazing. It's amazing to be back. I've missed you all. I hope everybody's safe and healthy, and I love you. And um, this is a fantastic conversation. We talk about a lot of stuff, but um, we really, we really, uh, uh, it's just, I don't know. It's just good to do this again, everybody. Just check it out. I'll talk to you later. So, um, yeah, so talking about, like, those paths that, like, you, you, you could have taken, I think it's a storyteller thing to, like, look back and, like, oh, I could have done this thing. And, like, you know, and then th- this would have happened and this would have happened. But then, like, if you're, if you're a real storyteller and you, and you really want to, like, like, tell every side of a story, then you're like, oh, yeah, but this bad thing could happen. Like, if I had you know, continued to, to work to be a writer and written the great American novel when I was in college and, or just out of college, then, um, then maybe I would have been this, you know, this awesomely famous writer and everything. And, you know, there's a bunch of people in my life that I want to get got to meet, you know, maybe I wouldn't have had time to, to get into playing role-playing games the way I have. And I haven't, I've met some of the, the, my favorite people in the world doing, you know, doing this hobby. And, or maybe I would, you know, take up drinking or have a drug problem because I'd be rich and, you know, would be just out of college and stupid, you know. It's it's like you can extrapolate those 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 variable stories. Yeah, I, I think the thing about it though is and for me why role playing games are so appealing is because my experience when I sit down to run something at the table, because that's my preference, is to mm-hmm. GM. I will play a game, but I find it far more boring than being a GM. Because it's like, wait, I'm going to play one character? Uh, sure, I'll give this a shot. We'll see how long I can stay awake for it. You know, can I, can I, uh, can I you know, do an Andy Kaufman thing where I play one character, but, you know, he actually has, like, you know, two to four different kind of voices or something that he used, you know, like, in, you know, I mean, back then it was a very inappropriate multiple personality thing, but I get the idea. The The intent was so that the actor could stretch his muscles because playing one character it was boring for them, right. you know yeah. what I mean? So for me, it's very much this, that improvisation at the table it's more about the initial reaction to what did happen. And it's very much for me a pass fail kind of thing. So this whole idea of like, you know, like the, the perfect story, you know, like the perfect twist and, oh, if only it had been this or something like this. That's great when you're writing a novel. But once you're running a game, regardless of how much prep you put into it or don't put into it, once it actually happens at the table and it's become a visceral reaction by everybody at the table including the GM, then that's what gives it its magic. That mm-hmm. whole sense of, you know, like, well, that happened exactly the way I wanted it to. Um, or it's just like, I had no idea that was going to happen. And that fucking rocked, you yeah. know, like, yeah. so that, yeah, that's why those kind of things, I don't think I've ever really walked away from a game and then later on said, oh, I should have done this. 
I think if anything, it's been more of like a, oh yeah, he was going to have like a bulldog that could grow to 50 feet tall and then stomp on buildings and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like, I forgot the bulldog, but you know what? That'll work out. I'll save the bulldog for later. That'll be save it for problem. later. Yeah. Well, that's the, the whole thing of just like, you know, like, oh, crap, they should have gone left because the left is where the awesome trap is. Well, yeah. as you go to the right, it turns out there's an awesome trap. Same thing here. You yeah. know, like all the all your players really know is that visceral reaction that you gave them or whether or not it sucked or whether or not it rocked or yeah. somewhere in between. That that can happen, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it because it's on a continuum. You can you can alter that continuum as you as you go and you know say hey this thing this thing is here and um, I've I've had uh, I've, I've recently had a campaign that I'm I'm bringing to a close and there was there was like here are the events I want to have, kind of have happen going to the, to the in the closing and then there were events that changed where that was going um, and I decided like. Yeah, I'm going to pull that out. And it was it was like a flashback, you know, where where people were kind of playing other characters, but they would kind of be able to get into the actual villain's head. And I'm like, I'm going to pull that out. It doesn't make sense to do. And then um, we decided that, you know, after after this is done, I was going to run this other thing. And I got a date as to, like, when that was coming out. I'm like, I need, like, a couple more weeks. And I was like, well, then I'm putting the flashback back in. You know, like, like, of course, like it, it was a, I thought it was a cool idea before and I think it's still kind of a fun, weird idea. And, you know, and it's like, you can do that with, with games. You can, um, you can make it modular and, and, and kind of play around with those parts when you're running games. I love running games too. I'm, I'm a big fan. I, but I, I don't more and more. I like running and playing games. Like I'm, I'm, I'm kind of evening out. Um, whereas I used to be the, I must, I must game master. Now I'm, I'm less like, uh, I kind of want to see what other people do and, and, you know, um, and, and I like doing weird characters just basically like universally when I, when I play games. So I end up, you know, uh, uh, just having fun voices and reacting to things in weird ways and stuff like that. And, and it, it just, I, I think it ups the fun for everybody. So. Yeah, yeah. It's it for me. It's I, I find game mastering, game mentoring, GMing, yeah. to be you know, I, I'm very much opposed to the idea of there being two different types of people at the table: the game master and players. Yeah. For me, the game master is a player, and that really reflects on how I design things nowadays. In the sense of just like, I want to make something that the game master is going to find some mechanical stimulation in this. In the sense of just like, they're not just going to be able to, you know, focus entirely on the story and what would this character say and what would they do and all this other kind of stuff. But to find ways to take the mechanical pieces that you've put into this game and how can I move this around in order to do something? You know, mm-hmm. it, it's almost like. You want the GM to also be able to play catch or uh, play chess. Play catch? What? That kind of references that. <laughs> you want the GM to be able to play chess. Yeah. But you don't want them to just stand there and be the one that rings the bell when someone's turn is done. You know, right. like they, they're going to fucking play chess. Right. So that's how I look at it. And that's how I like to design everything is, you know, like the, the GM is a player with more responsibility who says they're the keener at the front of the class. 
who is more than willing to do everyone else's homework for them and is just hand out copies. They're more than happy to do it because just doing their own work, meh, you know, yeah. it's not stimulating enough. This class is moving too slow. You know, that that's kind of my take on it. And I know in some ways it comes across as being a little kind of like, you know, thinking that I'm better than other players, but it's just the way that I just like to do it. I just want that adrenaline rush of, fuck, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know <laughs> what I'm going to do, you know. Yeah. Just give me the ground basis of, okay, this is how everything works. These are the options, the, the tools you have to play with. Now go somehow make a story out of that. You know, through the eyes of, of all of these other characters and the setting and, and everything else like this, you know, it's, uh, for me, there there's almost no greater rush um, that is not going to involve going and performing in front of drunk people. Like for me, it's, it's, I have tried getting into improv and I've done it for very short stints. Uh -huh. And then as soon as it involves, oh, we got a venue in a small club. And if we're lucky, we'll get six people tonight. It was just like, I, I feel like I've brought shame onto myself. You know, it's just like, <laughs> whoa, what am I doing? Come on. You know, and then I don't know. There's just, there's just something about the whole thing. I don't get that kind of, you know, I don't feel like a dirty whore when I play role-playing games, like I, like I would when I would play improv. Yeah. You know, and so for me, that's the fix. And now living in a rural area, uh, there's no improv group around here. And if there is, I don't care what Mabel's take on this new character. Of, you know, like, <laughs> so this is just how I get the fix. You know, it's, it's with role-playing games. They're my improv. They're, that's, I, I, I love that, that idea. I, I, I actually do uh, uh, improv. Um, yeah, well, fact. I know, and that was one of the things I knew. It was like I could, I could totally segue the whole improv yeah. thing, and I know Doc's gonna get it. You know. Yeah, I know totally. Um, I will say this: I, I, I've told people that you know they're like, "How do you do? How do you still do an improv?" Like he started doing it, you know, over twenty years ago, and I'm like, "How do you still do an improv?" And I'm like, "Here's the secret: you take a ten-year break from doing improv." <laughs> And, and just you get it started, you get that same group started, and you get a little bit of popularity, and then you have a huge argument and blowout where you don't talk to your best friends for, for like 10 years. Um, and then you slowly start to talk to them again, and then they're like, hey, do you want to come back for one show, one anniversary show? And you're like, yeah. And then you like, you do that show, and they're like, hey, and then you have that John Wick moment of like, you know, People have been asking me if I've been back. Well, yeah, I think I'm back, you know, and yeah. um, that's exactly what happened. Um, yeah. But, uh, but, but, uh, I, it, it's, it is fun that like, like, like the, the two things I, I, I kind of do well are very improvity. And, um, and it basically means I think that, that I just don't adhere to a plan super great. <laughs> yes yeah, yeah and it and it's weird too it's um before when i used to do improv um you know before i really started to make the correlation between it and gaming but i used to do improv solely as improv mm -hmm. for me it was a release from having to follow so much structure it was a way to just go oh i just want to stretch you know yeah and you know now it's this weird way you know i don't know it, it's I've had to make so many changes to just how 
I function and do things from a cognitive level mm -hmm. because like just over 10 years ago, I was involved in a nasty car accident. And one of the things I did was smash my head right into the inside windshield, Oof. which was my third concussion. Uh, and it took an effect, you know, for the longest time, it was very difficult for me to be able to keep one clear, concise thought and everything else like this. Um, and then to be able to concentrate when other things are going on in the background that I've had to go through a, a process, a kind of self-taught process of neuroplasticity. You know, the whole idea is just that, no, the brain is constantly adapting and evolving and healing and everything else like this. You know, don't just give up on your brain, keep going. And in doing so, it has really just changed now how I organize thoughts and information and how it comes to me and stuff like this, that I feel like it actually makes me better at improvising because now I can keep track and remember the stuff that I need to. Um, like, it's very rare for me to make notes when I'm running something and I'm completely improving it. Yeah. If I write down anything, it's a name because I'm terrible at remembering nouns. I haven't gotten that far yet. Yeah. When I say that to people, they're like, wait, you mean like the names of, of somebody? I'm like, yeah. a person, place, or thing. If it's got a proper name and it's in the dictionary, I don't know it. Yeah. It's not there. It is a thing, and that's it until someone reminds me. <laughs> but other other than that, you know, I'm just able to kind of keep this information. Um, mm. And it has very much come in handy with my freelance work because I'm so diversified in the different things that I have going on, mm -hmm. my own publishing company and the stuff that I'm working on. And then to just be able to, and even to other projects still in development, I can very much feel the filing cabinet inside and where exactly to go and look for this stuff and then pull that up very quickly. Yeah. And I find that very much at the table too. Like right now, because like, in order to talk to you right now, I am sitting in my car in a parking lot behind the retail store that I work at <laughs> because I have to steal broadband internet that I don't have at home because of where we live. We live out in the country. It's just not available to us, um, which means it's not very practical for gaming online. I'm yeah. not going to sit back here for three to four hours at a time every week. So everything I do is play by post. I am currently running two games, including the Pandora one that you're part of. Yeah. And I have very much noticed that I feel like I'm on top of this. I think I've made one oops in the year since I've been, you know, running play-by-post games. I, you know, I made a point of keeping things that's important. I want to pin that, remember it later. But it's even got to the point where in uh, the game of Ironbound that I'm running with uh, my other play-by-post group, I've even said, hey, I'm going to set up a channel for each of you individually. And if you want to do a little solo scene where it's just like, I want to look a little further into like my character's relationship to this character and we'll do a little solo scene. So in addition to the two main games, I've got three side plots that are running simultaneously and it's like, bring it on. Like it's, so yeah. I, I feel like my improving is better now because I'm not literally pulling things out of thin air now I'm actually able to look at everything and make those connections and then draw something from it, you know, really quickly. Yeah. So I guess, you know, I've said it quite a few times. I find myself saying thank you to the woman that almost killed me because it's actually kind of worked out in this bizarre way. It just 
meant that I had to go through three or four years of very painful rehabilitation, et cetera, et cetera. I, of course, don't want that to happen again. But at the same time, too, I feel like I'm a better person for it. You know, I've I've heard I've heard people say that with with things that have happened before too. That like that it's it's funny, not funny, haha, but funny, weird, oh. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, like like sometimes these these terrible events will happen, and it's like you know, there's you know when you come out of the other side. I mean, I I I, I can I can think of that in in my life, like. Um, you know, the, the things that have happened and, and, and in dealing with them, I've learned something and I've, you know, improved my, my life. So it's, it's, it's always interesting. I actually have a, a, a kind of ongoing thing with like, whenever I get into arguments with people, um, uh, I don't necessarily want to say on the political spectrum, um, but it's my show. I guess I can say that if I want to, um, <laughs> Do but, it. Uh, do it. Do yeah. It. If if I, when I get into arguments with 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 people who are like this is the, this way and this way and this way, and I'm like, what, what have you really ever suffered in your life? Like, have you ever really had to deal with anything really bad? And the answer is almost always no. You know, and and it's kind of like you know, and I don't want anybody to suffer. I don't want people I I care about who happen to have a different political ideology from me to ever have to suffer um, because yeah. suffering sucks. But sometimes there's that moment of like, yeah, but if, if you, if you had that, you know, uh, you know, if you, if you, if you put a little callus on your soul, um, maybe you would, you would kind of get, get to this point a little bit more, you know, and, and I, and I had to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's just it. You know, like I, it's, it's making me think of this woman that I used to work with at uh, at a newspaper in Ottawa, and she was very much, you know, like um, a wannabe princess, you know. And the way, you know, I, I'll admit we, you know, had some laughs and we did make fun of her for very much one of her dream goals as an adult was to be a princess. Um, and she was, you know, very much, the, you know, like you know, daddy's girl and everything. Else, very, very close to her father. She lost him very suddenly. Mm -hmm. Um, And my understanding of it is that it was not a pretty thing. And but then within the next year, all of a sudden, I'm seeing Facebook posts of her getting a fucking job in Disney World where she is one of the fucking princesses, Mm -hmm. you know, like where she's Cinderella or Snow White or whichever one it is. But it's like she always wanted to be a Disney princess. That was her lifelong goal. And that trauma motivated her to say i'm going to do that whether or not i'm going to do that you know like for my dad i'm going to do that for me or whatever the case where i'm going to show them nuts to all them you know but it was just like she she went and she did it and now i have like mad respect for what she did and feel like a complete heel and as soon as i saw that picture i said like holy crap you did it like yes i'm so proud of you like so good on you for that and you know i apologize for you know you know making jokes at her expense and everything because it's like you know how many people will say something like that and everyone laughs at you and then you just keep going and you're just so persistent about it and you see it with so many other people who come out of the closet um, you know, announce themselves as being trans or changing their pronoun, you know, or just simply not, you know, how they want to identify themselves. 
And then you look at the people who are poo-pooing on that kind of stuff and just be like, you wouldn't have the balls. Yeah. Think about doing something like that. I have a brother-in-law whose real first name is Donald. His middle name is Scott. Everyone calls him Scott. If I suddenly start calling him Donald and start saying, it's like, no, fuck you. That's on your birth certificate. You can't change how you were born. Yeah. This piece of paper says your name is Donald. Donald. That's not <laughs> how it works. You know, like if he, he comes along and says, like, no, I don't like Donald. I like to be called Scott. Done. No problem, Scott. You know, so like because these are people that, yeah, I, I kind of agree. You know, they, they haven't gone through something and come out the other side and said, no, I still want to go through with this. This is something that I want to do. Because for me, I have this very unhealthy obsession with succeeding in the role-playing games industry to the point that if the rug comes out from under my feet and I'm suddenly falling down into the abyss of a volcano, uh, it's going to (laughs) hurt because that's, you know, like I've just set myself up in such a way that failure is not an option Mm -hmm. and it's been 10 years going and it's just like, um, I, I know the only reason why I have this motivation is because of what I went through yeah. and that sense of, wow, it could all go so quickly. And simply because I was driving home from a job that was okay. And yeah, it paid the bills. Yeah. Um, yeah. And now as a result, I know that that just lingers in the back of my head and keeps pushing me forward, pushing me forward, pushing me forward, you know? Yeah. yeah it, it, it's, it's the hardships that I think that, 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 uh, help us help to to uh uh motivate us and and keep us going and you know it's easy to it, i mean it, that's the thing it's easy to lay down right like like that's yeah you know i uh uh i guess i guess i'm gonna get real personal here um i've i've talked about this a little bit on my podcast but um uh, my my mom passed away in 2019 and um the last movie that i went to see with her when i was growing up she instilled in me uh, kind of love of comic books. Um, and that's where a lot of my, my love for superheroes and comic books comes from. And she loved the Marvel movies. And the last movie that we saw together was Endgame. Um, and I watched that scene from Endgame where Captain America stands up and, you know, everybody shows up. But like, I watched that a lot when, and I watched a lot when I was kind of dealing with everything with her passing and everything. And it and it just reminds me every time, like, no, you, you stand up. You know, yeah. you, you you just whether you want to or not, no matter what you're what what you're up against, you gotta stand up. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So that's a that guy got kind of intense there. <laughs> It's, the, it's the only way to do it. It's an all or nothing kind of thing. That's right. Once again, the moment just headed in that direction, and yeah. we went with it. And yeah. look what happened now as a result. You know, that was something beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Hey? Oh, <laughs> all good stuff. All good stuff. I, I do have to say, though, talking about your your uh, your the, 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 the stuff that you put out, um, uh, so I had a chance to play High Plains Samurai when it was in playtesting. Um, which I think was the first time I heard your name. Um, it makes sense. I have a very distinct name. It's one yeah. of those things. It's very, you don't know where you heard it from, but it's just be like, there's this fucking guy out there called Todd Crapper. Can you believe this crap? It's, like, seriously, I've been asked if 
I changed my name to that or if that's my pseudonym as if like, yes, I thought the best way to make a great first impression was to make you think of the thing that you sit on with your bare butt, you know? It's, sure. It's, it's like the, the witch from, uh, from Men in Tights, Latrine, you know, oh, what shit house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah. But, I mean, it, it is distinctive. Like, hey, that's... Oh, it very much is. I, I know um, Mo Tusano once said to me once, just be like, you know, it's a, I love the fact that, like, you're the first one in the room to, like, dump on your name. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and he says, like, and you own that. It's like, you know, you, you take that. You won't let anybody beat you to the punch. And no one, you know, in his words, comes up with, like, better puns than you do. And it is one of those things, like, growing up as a kid, who wouldn't speak up for himself and, you know, and let himself, you know, put up with an awful lot of other people's shit, um, you know, much like a crapper. See? Yeah. See how it works there? It's there so fucking easy. But <laughs> as I became an adult and started to actually get more confidence, you know, like of just constantly being pushed down and getting myself back up and everything else like this, and then watching as these people, you know, these punk-ass kids, you know, who were constantly dumping on, you know, like on the family name, you know, to a point sometimes it would make my mom cry. Um, and then seeing them becoming an adult with these responsibilities and they don't dare make any kind of jokes whatsoever about my name, no matter what the context of. And I love making them feel awkward of knowing it's funny, but yeah. you're not allowed to laugh at me because you're on the phone working at Visa calling me, you know, like <laughs> you've got to behave yourself. I'm going to take full advantage of this. And make sure that you, you know, like, you know, that if you laugh out loud, you're going to feel like you're going to be taken into HR the next day, kind of mm -hmm. thing, you know. So now I just revel in it. I went through a period of time where I used a pseudonym, The Warden, because I thought Crapper was too distracting. Mm -hmm. And it totally is. But then later on, it really kind of came down to this, like, well, what am I doing? Like, am I trying to avoid something or am I actually trying to – is is what I'm working on – an extension of myself or am I trying to like be somebody else when I do this and blah, blah, blah. And then it just came down to just like, just own it. You know, yeah. it was just like, you know, why run? Why hide from it? You know, I've gone through an awful lot to have this name. I might as well keep it and wear it as a badge and just, you know, watch somebody try and crack a joke about it. It, 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 there's there's something to be said for, for leading into your, your own, uh, uh, you know, any, any quirks of personality. I mean, I've, I, I'm always the first person to mention that, that I'm dyslexia or I have dyslexia and I'm dyscalculia and, you know, like, like, like I'll, I'll bring that up. The, 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 the thing I've said before is like, um, I have an inverse confusion range. So if something is very simple for most people, um, it will be very complex for me, but if it's mm. very complex for most people, it'll be simple for me. So it, it kind of, you know, it, it reverses itself. Um, and uh, one of my favorite moments, uh, what I've actually talked about on here, is uh, I was helping navigate through a park in the rain in Boston, never been there before. And I kind of like, they were describing like this thing and I like thought I had found it. I'm like, follow me. And like, it was in the right direction. I'm like, how did you find it? I'm like, that's my secret. I'm always confused, you know. Or like, how did yeah. you find it? Like, like we were so confused. I'm like, that's my secret. I'm always confused. And like, that's, you know, that's kind of the, you know, like, and nobody's going to make fun of me for, for getting things wrong because I'm going to be the first, you know? Yeah. Um, 
that's uh you know and i think that's a that's a that's a a thing that i i picked up from from comedy but i also think it's a thing that you get from self-awareness um and and even maturity to some extent yeah yeah and i would agree and i think there's also some of that too it's just like other people you know have started to you know uh they've got a little bit more kind of maturity on their own shoulders so to speak and just be like i totally would have made fun of that guy as a kid but yeah. now i watched the documentary and i get it you know yeah, or i yeah. feel like i get it like get it enough to shut the hell up you know yeah. and sometimes that's all you need yeah yeah no that's that's absolutely true um but but kind of going back to to uh your work um so yeah so high plane samurai which i absolutely loved i've actually kind of wanted to uh uh play another game of it but it's not the kind of game that i bring to my my usual group they're they're very much a, a pathfinder group so right. um uh and you know so that's that's fine that is, that is what it is um, oh yeah uh but uh i i've now i I've, I've been kind of like looking through um i actually didn't really pay it, i'm going to admit something i didn't really pay tons of attention to ironbound um because i tend to lean away sometimes from what i think is like fantasy stuff mm-hmm. uh but ironbound is not fantasy stuff it looked through it or it's it's fantasy but it's a very we- different kind of fantasy <laughs> Yeah, we like to look at it, um, uh, Danielle Delisle and I, the co-creator of Ironbound, Guardians of Navalo, we like to look at it as fantasy with a purpose. And yeah. it's, a, it's a very kind of jaded way of looking at things because it goes with this impression that fantasy has no purpose. Hack and slash is just its own thing, which it's not. Mm-hmm. But th- the idea of, you know, that there is one big main mission that is basically the cause behind everything, you know, that there's no real... You know, you're not just constantly fighting like, you know, hordes of monsters that are just loosely pocketed all over the place, that everything has a rhyme, a reason and a purpose behind it. Um, you know, and the, the whole idea of just like that there is this one main storyline that you're going to create that all revolves around the idea that you are people called Navalins who are witches. You are Wiccans, pagans, you know, like very much taken the idea of those traditions, whether or not you look at the modern ones, or if you want to take a look at, you know, like the the very traditional beliefs, you know, before Rome took over, uh, you know, like the British Isles, Mm -hmm. and you wanted to apply that into, you know, a culture that has existed and has, you know, thrived as their own and has been left alone for millennia. And then all of a sudden these visitors come over from overseas and they have machines and a completely different way of doing things. But the refugees, because of where they came from, has, you know, like basically been destroyed. They have no place to live. So you take them in. And then it turns out that they're actually stealing the magic from the very land that that fuels you, that powers you, that you communicate with. And so that whole idea of everything that you do is based around this particular conflict. And that once that is somehow solved, you know, or resolved or however you want to look at it, then the story itself is done and everything returns back to peace, mm-hmm. you know, whereas I find with like a lot of hack and slash kind of fantasy, there's always going to be some new great evil that's arising, you know, sure. and it's always going to be, you know, like, well, what's this wizard doing over here? It's just like, oh, there goes the undead again, pesky little buggers, you know, yeah. yeah, you know, it's just like this kind of never ending 
evolution of is like, so we're not going to have a dedicated force to deal with people like this. We're just going to constantly rely on these random strangers who just kill things with impunity. That's our solution. That's what we want to do. We want to hire murder hobos and we're cool with this. You know, that was the thing for me that, that these are characters who know that there is a great struggle that's coming. Um, that's something must be aggressively done to deal with this problem, but aggression is not necessarily part of their beliefs. Yeah. And yet they've been, you know, so, you know, with the, what Danny and I are doing with Ironbound is basically having characters that need to take on the role of a fantasy warrior, but we're not born to be fantasy warriors. They have not really trained to be fantasy warriors. They are healers. They are oracles. They are elders. You know, they are scouts, um, you know, and these are people that have to find a way to use those skills to take on a force that can, you know, that has no problem whatsoever, literally steamrolling over a village to get what they want. You know, so, yeah, that's why we like the idea of having it as like fantasy with a purpose, as we call it. It's well, and instilling that purpose into you again um, is is such a, a, an amazing way to 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 change that dynamic. I can remember um, when third edition, shortly after third edition came out, um, fantasy flight came out with midnight. Yeah. Um, and it was the evil had won. And, you know, so like, like, what do you do? Like, and, and it was, it was a struggle. Like I, we, we played in a, a uh, and my group played in a campaign of it and it was, it was such an interesting way to do it. And, um, you know, I can remember, uh, the game master we had was really, really good. Um, I, my character was, uh, was, um, a monk, but he had this, he had this, this bloodline that he was like, he, he came from kings. And so, and, and it, that was always kind of like, you know, oh no, you know, you're, you're kingly, you know, you want to help these people, but sometimes you can't. Oh, this, this, and it's, it's a really cool thing to have to put that in there. And it's, it goes beyond like, Oh, how much gold are you going to pay us to go clear out that dungeon? Because it's like, what, you know, the, the stakes for these characters are, is, is feels real. Um, yeah. you know, it's an, it's an emotional thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, oh no, I have this sense of duty or, you know, or my people will die if, if we, if we fail at this. And, uh, and I, I love that idea that, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the things that we're like, we started everything off with uh, being part of Third Eye Games Pit World system. Mm -hmm. um, and that's their community content program. And so we have put some things out there that use the PIP system as is. But what we're really doing, our super plan behind the scenes, that curtain you're not supposed to go behind, <laughs> is to take the PIP system and we're expanding on it so that it's not entirely skill based. So okay. that your characters can have their personal motivations, um, you know, even to like, you know, like, uh, you know, a silly little quirks. It's just like my character can just automatically know how many beans are in a jar. That's got to come in handy sooner or later. Yeah. Boom. That's a quirk. And you get some dice for it. If you can describe how that would apply, you will get dice for that. Um, and we wanted to put all those things in there because, yeah, we want those to be a factor because there are times where, you know, I'm not really good at investigating. I've never had to investigate things before. And now I have to make an investigation rule. Well, what if there was something, a stake on the line that was really important to my character 
that I it warranted me spending points to put dice on it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, go for it. Use that, you know. Um, when Danny and I took the current draft of the mechanics for that version of the game, we each made a character, and she made a character that was very skill-heavy, and I made a character that was very personality heavy you know Mm -hmm. it's like i had some skills but most of my dice all went towards motivations quirks and all that other kind of stuff and they hold up fairly equally well it always depends on the situation but it's like that with any game yeah and that was one of the things because the thing about you know wicca and paganism is that there's no one way of doing things there are some shared practices, as my understanding of it, because I'm not Wiccan. I don't mm-hmm. identify as a witch. I'm not pagan. Um, I guess I'm agnostic. I'm the guy who just wants to make sure I've got a couple of apology notes under my pillow when I die. <laughs> and so there's no one way of doing things. And so the idea of having this preset pathway to determine how your characters are made and how they accomplish things seemed to be going against the very thing that we were trying to, to simulate. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the great things about working on this game for me is that this is my first real true partnership on creating something. Danny is a witch. She's Wiccan. Oh, and cool. she is the one who is basically, she is 100% charge of the setting. Yeah. The setting is hers. She makes all those calls. My job is to then turn it into a game and make it playable. And it's great because you know, there have been so many things I can just, you know, I have somebody that I can ask questions to, um, you know, and I don't have to go and do research and hope that I was moving in the right direction because there can be so much misinformation. If you don't know exactly what to look for, if you don't have a guide, you could really be doing more harm than good. Mm-hmm. And what I love about it is, you know, whenever I, you know, she reads something that I've worked on or I've explained how I want it to go. And when she says, like, oh, that's that's very Wiccan, I'm like, perfect, I'm getting it. And it's been <laughs> surprising how much what I thought was misinformation was actually, no, you're on the right path. A lot of times it's really about the intent of what you want to do with those kinds of things. You know, I mean, if you look at it as it's like with any, you know, the problem with the stereotype is that a lot of stereotypes come from very misinformed, negative a tribute that other people have placed on them. And like one of the big things, the idea of witches is that they're a Satanist. It's like, no, that's different. That's a very, very different thing. Like, you know, Wiccans, you know, witches, modern day witches. And I believe the same thing would apply, you know, like in the past, but do not quote me in that because I am not the expert. Sure. But modern day witches, they are all about nature. And these are ways that they like to communicate with nature and with themselves, it is how they look at the world and how they express themselves, and they do it in their own unique way. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, I, it's just been really rewarding to just kind of be like, so if you don't look at it as just like, okay, so eating children is not a thing that they do. It never has been a thing that they do. But at the same time, too, the, the whole idea of them standing around in this circle doing incantations and all this kind of stuff, yes. Take that, but use it in a positive light, you know, like, you know, you know, it's just been very fascinating to me of just how easy it has been for me to understand this and then being able to express it mechanically in the form of a game, um, you know, for other people, you know, to to then take it and and to then do something with it. It, And and 
so it, it, you've had that learning experience as well as being able to to have that creative experience of of uh of putting numbers to it basically is is yeah in a sense how do i want the physics of this world to work yeah or i guess even a better way of doing it is just like you know how do i want the story to be able to develop how do i want the players to be able to access and manipulate the story through these characters you know Mm -hmm. through the information that they write down in this piece of paper that we get you know and that's the part that i find just really fascinating in general is how to take these really abstract principles yeah. and force a story out of it in a way that's not even forcing the story that it just flows or you give it to the right people and they can just you know they make music with it and it's just absolutely fascinating because it's so difficult to explain it um to someone else unless they totally get it right like i have right. a very good feeling you know exactly what i'm talking about if I explain this to other members of my family, um, except maybe my wife, so, you know, like, but explaining it to my parents and aunts and uncles and stuff like this, um, there are very much confused looks that I'm worried they're having a stroke as I explain it to them. <laughs> I don't think it's worth their health yeah. need to try to explain these things to them. I just need to say something. And then if someone nods their heads, it's like, I totally get that. Just be like, yeah, we're in sync, you know, and yeah. boom. I, it, I I mean, explaining tabletop gaming to, to like, a lot of my extended family is, like, you know, yeah, I don't know, they, their eyes kind of glaze over. And like, okay, cool. That's you know cool. what? I have to give Big Bang Theory credit because once that show came out, and I always did enjoy that show. I always got a big kick out of that show. Mm-hmm. Um, but when my in-laws started watching that show, then they started to understand, oh, Dungeons and Dragons, that's the thing you do, like they do on Big Bang Theory. Yes, that's exactly how it is. And I was like, oh, I get it now. You know, kind of <laughs> well, you don't, but thank you, you know, for, yeah. for trying, you know, yeah. thank you for, you know, for humoring me at the very least and realizing, see, we're not in a sewer. Yeah. You know, we're actually sitting at a table like ordinary people. Um, and look at this, you know, like they're not getting blazingly drunk. They're not getting arrested because they're trying to drive home, you know, yeah. this good stuff, you know. Yeah, 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 and, and you know, it's just connecting those neurons a little bit. I the the episodes of Community that did D and I think uh, were were you know like oh yeah, it's, that's exactly what you're doing. Like that, ah, but, but it's, you know, it's, you just maybe not exactly, but you know, it's it's on the right. Yeah, I, that's I how think, they're doing it. I think uh, the popularity of shows like um, uh, The Adventure Zone and um, and uh, Critical Role and stuff have really served to, to, I mean, I know so many people that, that have come to me and said, Oh, like you're doing like critical role type stuff. I'm like, that is the way closer to what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It, it very much has opened it up. There's as much as I love the idea of, you know, this hobby potentially hitting, you know, like a, a major milestone, like the mm-hmm. whole fact that they are now a division of Hasbro, Wizards of the Coast. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and the fact is just like we are potentially looking at the fact that this industry actually might be worth a couple of billion rather yeah. than a couple of hundred thousand. You know, yeah. like that's a big deal. Um, and you know, so the idea of that kind of legitimacy, at the same time too, I'm a little hesitant about it because, you know, I started playing in the Satanic Panic. And there was very much this kind of comfort zone of, 
we were very silently rebelling against authority. Yeah. You know, even though we were actually having fun with it, it just had the added perk of rebelling against authority in a way that nobody thought was ever rebelling against authority. <laughs> you know, it was like the safest thing that really quiet, timid people could do, you know, to, to fight the man, you know. It's so I don't know, what, like, when someone comes to me and, you know, they clearly look like they have a lot of friends uh, that they could go out to any kind of public setting and get whatever member of the opposite or same sex that they want, yeah. you know, um, and then they come along and say, like, you know, like, oh, I love I love playing D&D &D and stuff like this. I've been playing for 20 years. I literally have the sense of just like, cool, uh, where's the microphone, Narc? Because no <laughs> do I believe any of this? But you know that's that's the beauty of it is just that it turns out that there were more people like us all along. We were just, I guess, you know, like in the in the eighties and nineties, which is when I got into it. We were just so far into our geekdom. We, I guess, we either didn't give a crap or we're at that point where, well, we're definitely not going to be popular, so let's just do what we want to do anyway yeah. and be interesting people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, was, and then I it turns out everyone else was jealous of us. It's just like, look at that. They're reading comic books over there. They can just read them out in the open. Yeah. Man, I wish I could do that. Yeah. Nerds! Nerds! You know? <laughs> yep. So, no, yeah, that's exactly it. it. I, I still don't quite trust it. It still kind of seems, I mean, like, from a business standpoint, as a publisher, bring it on. Yeah. The more people, the merrier. Let's diversify, you know, get more voices out there and stuff like this. I mean, like the the game that's kickstarting as we're talking, Coyote and Crow, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, oh, I love that whole idea of that thing doing like so phenomenally well. Oh, me too. And stuff like that, you know, bring it on, <sighs> you know. But then there's still that reflex of just like, you know, no, uh, no, this it's it's getting too popular. This doesn't seem right. You know, so I, I'm still on the fence. I don't know where I really, truly sit when it comes to this potential level of expansion that we're looking at. It's it, it is kind of it, it, it's a little bit terrifying to see like, oh, wait, is this is this thing that's kind of underground that I love? Is it just going to become homogenized and and, you know, um, yeah. and it, I mean, like, I, I don't know if you watch the. um uh, Tales from the Loop show, uh, 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 series on um, uh, Amazon. No, I didn't. I heard about it, but no, I never saw it. It was so they they ended up making it like an anthology, and I feel like they really missed the boat to actually take the 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 the, the continuum elements of a game and kind of make it a cohesive story, but I guess they wanted to avoid doing, you know, another version of, uh, of, uh, uh stranger things or whatever. Um, yeah. It's also, it's a completely different medium, you yeah. know, like it, it's the same reason why trying to do a direct translation of a book into a movie doesn't work 99 times out of a hundred Yeah, because it's a completely different medium. There are so many different, functions and format and, and restrictions and, and availabilities that you're making something for a different audience, even if some of that audience, you know, engulfed the original material. Right. So trying to make a TV show based on a role-playing game be like a role-playing game is, I feel like, dooming yourself to failure yeah. versus 
Well, what is it that is the real spirit about this game? What is the main thing about it? You know, and like when the D&D movie that came out in 2000, one of the ways that it really dropped the ball was it made it all about, you know, the one character. Yeah. Who had sidekicks. They weren't part of a party. They had sidekicks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, the idea was a fantasy setting. We're going to call it D&D. I think it was a test run basically for Lord of the Rings. Like, let's get another fantasy film out there, put it on the market, see what the initial response is. And then we can tailor our marketing accordingly when we put out Lord of the Rings, where Mm -hmm. we clearly, we clearly give a shit about that one more than the the D&D movie, you know. And that was more of an ensemble, you know, grouping, like, like, you know, that, and, and it, it was way more interesting. And, you know, yeah, the, the, that D&D, that first D&D movie, had it been more of, of an ensemble instead of, you know, uh, uh, hey, you're my best friend, so your character is going to be the important one. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I will it, say uh, one of the one of the, the translation things that comes up a lot is I, I love I love superheroes. I grew up, you know, I, I've already talked about that a little bit. Um, and superheroes never translate well to games, I don't think, because I think people look at superheroes as like, oh, the interesting thing about Spider-Man is that he has spider powers. Yeah. But that, if you read the comics and you understand the comics, that's not the interesting thing about Spider-Man. The interesting thing about Spider-Man is that he's a young guy who is struggling to kind of address all these other things in his life and feel responsible for everything. And like, like that is a more, that's why that character is interesting and he could have any powers. Like you can hand him, you know, you know, I, I don't know. Like I, I've always kind of joked that uh, uh, the character of Nova, the human rocket is Spider-Man. Um, it's just, they have different powers, but otherwise they're basically the same characters. Um, and I, and I think that we're seeing more superhero games that are leaning in that direction. Um, we're seeing masks, which, you know, doesn't really matter what your powers are. Um, I know, I I know I've played a bunch of them, but also I would like to point out one specifically, uh, that kind of addresses that in a very different way, which is Pandora, Total Destruction. Oh, do we really have to talk about this? I mean, I've already got. Uh, I mean, I've got the Kickstarter that's going to be launching in a couple of days. You know, it's just been consuming. I thought we were just going to chill and hang out. All right, fine. If you want to talk about this project that I'm trying to raise money for, you know, using a medium that people use for marketing purposes. Fine. Let's, let's go down this road. I thought that was a pretty good seg over else. <laughs> Yeah. No, let's no, let's do it. Yeah, because that's the, like it for me the idea for Pandora Total Destruction, which is uh, the whole game is about overpowered super characters yeah. trying to control their powers just enough to overcome a great evil. And it 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 struck me and I remember too being at Breakout Con uh 2 maybe 3 years ago. And um, actually, and and having breakfast with quite a bit of like the MMP crew at the time, and you know, and mm-hmm. the Buffalo crew and everything coming down. Yeah. And I have a feeling that you were at the table too, um, because it was before 
Endgame. It was shortly after Infinity Wars before Endgame came out. So one half of the table was speculating about what was actually going to happen. Oh, yeah. And yeah. And then the other half of the table, you know, we were just talking about the comic genre in general. And I was saying, it's like, you know what thing really bugs me just in general? I said, like, the training sequences for these kind of things. Like, the way that they expect superpowered characters to learn their powers is, you know, like, well, just practice. Well, just like, Motherfucker, I shoot eye beams out of my eyes. I kill you if I look at you. Can you want me to practice? Okie dokie then. I'll practice. You know, yeah. like, hey, my name is Rogue, and I will, like, suck you dry if I, like, so much as touch you. So I'm just going to practice. I'm going to search my feelings. Yeah. You know, I'm going to center my emotion. And I'm just going to, you know, my mentor is going to say a key phrase that will just loop in my head, and then I'll just do it. And from there, I started to think, well, can I make a game that will do something like that? Where you start with powers that are dangerously out of control. Yeah. And over the course of a story, over the course of three acts, you harness it just enough that it's a little bit more reliable. And doing so, it really explores the whole idea is like what actually makes somebody heroic is the fact that they have this great, amazing power. You know, like is Superman a hero because... He has these amazing powers or is it what he does with those powers or is it the fact that he does it, you know, come hell or high water. And, you know, and even though it comes with sacrifices of a personal life and, and everything else like this, it still does it because for them, that's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And that I found was just this interesting thing that, once I was able to figure out to how to mechanically I wanted to pull this off, then it was like, oh yeah, so you get to have rampant destruction, um, but with like kind of like a, a heart of darkness mm -hmm. where it's just like, oh damn, I just blew out the side of that building. Oh, I hear people inside. Oh crap, I did that. You know, that's not the super villain. What am I going to do about it? Yeah. You know? And that's really what Pandora is about, which is not going to be a, a game for everybody. But, yeah, it's, I find, personally speaking, it's a more interesting look at the superhero genre of let's take a look at people that don't have their shit together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And put them in a situation where they got to put they got to get their shit together and they got to do it really fast. It, it is funny to, to think of, like, you know, you know, you, you mentioned Rogue, and it's like, I, I, I feel like Professor X's advice for her was always like, learn to control your powers. You must learn control. And it's like, if he was a football coach, would he be like, you should score more points to win the game? Yeah. <laughs> like, Good call, coach. Thanks, coach. Thanks. I would totally score more points, you know. Oh, is that how we? Yeah. You know, and I get it. Like, no one wants to watch a movie where it's just like, you know, you just or, you know, read an entire issue of, you know, like someone practicing, you know, like the, the same maneuver over and over and over and over again. Yeah. I get that. Cinematically, it doesn't mean anything, but it still kind of feels like this missed opportunity of, you know, watching them struggle and overcome and how they they overcome it and this yeah. kind of stuff. And even then, too, the whole idea of just like it's not going to be right. It's not going to be perfect. Like, in order for Pandora to work, it I knew it had to be something where it's possible for you to gain total control over your power. Mm -hmm. But then it's not going to be interesting. It also requires a lot of luck and a lot of fortune. You know, so basically in order to do it, 
Because in the game, at the beginning of each act, every player involved rolls a D6s to determine how many scenes that they get to create in that mm-hmm. act. You have to roll a six each time. So all three acts, you have to roll a six. Mm-hmm. And then you would have to use all your scenes to have training scenes, always be able to, to meet the goal of that training scene, have enough hero points that you can afford to drop things down. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it is possible. It is not very likely that it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and so as a result, you know, that it's always that goal. But I you know I needed to let people know. So like your goal is not to be perfect. Your goal is to actually be imperfect, just less imperfect by the end than you were at the beginning. Yeah. You know, and then find a way to deal with things from there, um, you know, which would also require working together. You know, yeah. that, that whole sense of, of forcing it to a team. I've become very fascinated with alternative ways to, you know, provide teamwork in a game that isn't just like, a, well, since you're helping, you know, that's a plus one bonus. You know, with <laughs> now now I like to look at other ways, just like, you know, well, how could you force them to do something to work together without actually forcing them to work together? You know, kind of thing like that. And just, mm-hmm. it's, it's a thing I'm starting to become fascinated with. Well, and... and- in in that way too, you know, it's it's a way more. It, it's it's one of those things that you know. I I I've always maintained that the superhero genre in general can be broken down to into these like elemental components that each of which have something interesting about it. And the idea of learning to control powers is just a really cool, interesting thing because who hasn't had to learn how to do something? You know, like, 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 who hasn't, you know, learned how to, you know, play guitar or, 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 you know, something like, like the, it, it takes practice and everything. Now imagine that if you didn't play guitar properly, that, you know, the house would explode. Like, like that's, uh, you know, I think that that's, uh, that's, a, uh, a, a, the, the journey there is, is the story, which is, you know, awesome. It's not, it's not necessarily even the, the end game. Um, it's been very fun to play. Um, I'm, I'm very much enjoying it. Um, uh, I did get to introduce the weirdest idea I've ever come up with for a superhero, but, uh, <laughs> well, now but, you got to explain it. You can't yeah. leave your audience hanging. Yeah. Well, it's funny. So, um, I, yeah, this it's, I actually had this idea, um, about three weeks before I saw that you were looking to, to run this and I started a, um, uh, a timeline, but it's meant to be a publishing timeline for a character named Tachyon. It was a word that was invented in 1967. Um, and by, and if just a few years ago, it was kind of like, uh, we don't know if the Tachyons are a real thing. Um, so, and that's why I liked it. It's like a thing that, that only kind of existed for a short period of time. Um, but in the timeline of publishers, I basically have it that like this publisher's like, Hey, this word is cool. Make a character name that. And so somebody <laughs> did and didn't know what it was. And then they, you know, that, that book of business or whatever got bought by another publisher and they're like, what is this character? And they introduce a new version of that character. And like, so everybody who's publishing is like introducing their versions. And then somebody's like, Oh, I've been a fan of all these versions of the character. They're all the real version, but they're part of the same. And it's like, it gets 
just more and more complex every time somebody else gets their hands, another writer gets their hands on it. Yeah. And then I wanted to play, and I was like, I want to play that character who just has no idea who they are, really, but also kind of like has this experience, but can't really draw on it and everything like that. And then you were playing this game, and I'm like, oh, my God, can I do this thing? <laughs> and you're like, yeah. And I'm like, fuck, that's yeah. great. <laughs> I remember saying this, like, as long as you feel that you can describe how this power would create things like collateral damage. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and that's the thing. It's like what I love about this particular game is that no one has approached this with a typical power. Yeah. It's just been like, oh, yeah, I've got super strength. And obviously, I cannot control it. You know, it's just yeah. like, well, actually, I can draw all metal to me within like a 500 foot radius. Yeah. And I, you know, but I can't quite control it, which means that I cause buildings to collapse and cars to, you know, like literally like, you know, crunch into tiny balls and all this other kind of stuff. You know, everyone's power is just like, man, yeah, you guys need to be locked up on an island and kept away from people. <laughs> You know, all Which five is exactly what happened. Yeah, all five <laughs> characters just are like, no, you're on an island, and you know, and the island is, um, you know, the the island that's used in Inception and also to uh, in a James Bond movie where it's like yeah. this deserted. It looks like a full city, but it's completely deserted. And it's just like there, blow stuff up on the side, you know, and then when the time comes and there's an actual battle, then we're gonna have you know like you know people on the way and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it's just like those are five characters that right away was just like, yes, they should not be near civilization ever, ever, ever. Like the one guy, um, is the, he's the oldest character in the group. Yeah. And he has a thing that he calls dusting, which basically he just, I, I don't quite have it right, but he basically just causes like, you know, the electrons and particles to basically just, you know, release their grip and then just things turn into dust. And, yeah. just, and then they're gone, you know, it's just like, that's terrifying you know and like, that's what i love about it covalent bonds basically yeah like, yeah. yeah and that, and now the idea because right now you know like those five characters are sitting in a cafeteria just you know kind of hanging out just talking about how the food sucks there <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's just like these are five of potentially the most dangerous people in the world yeah. you know just sitting around bitching about how there's no wi-fi on <laughs> It is the 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 um my my wife has this quote that she uh, uh she said to me real early on in our relationship, which probably is why I, I was like, oh yeah, now I want to be with her for a long, long time. Um, which is uh, I love it when the mundane is fantastic and when the fantastic is mundane. And, nice. Um, and I and it's it that's exactly it. These five people who are insanely powerful, like you know. Yeah, pizza day's okay, but the the rest of the time you don't you don't want to you know you don't want to have the cafeteria food. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a really fun fun game. Um, now you're launching uh, uh, well three days from from when we're recording, um, uh, which I actually I believe uh, we this. Sorry, uh, I will maybe edit this if I remember. <laughs> um, uh, uh, oh, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, this will go out on the day um, that the, nice. the, the launches. So, um, 
So let, let's talk about the. I know you've, you're sick of talking about Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've worked in marketing before, and I still work in marketing. Uh, hi, Aloy. Um, but it's one of those things where I'm very much an anti-marketing marketer. Yeah. It's just like, that's what everyone else is doing. Boring. <laughs> Suck. It's manipulated. You know, all this kind of, kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, it's very much a case of like, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just always kind of look at it just like, for, I, I'm also too very much a media whore in the sense of just like, I will take any opportunity to be interviewed, to talk about my stuff, to hear my name being mentioned on something. Uh, half the reason why I'm constantly writing stuff into the gaming and BS podcast is because I know they're going to read it and then they're going to say my name. And then I just get this kind of euphoric rush of just like, people I've never met know me, you know? Um, so yeah, it's this kind of odd line that I walk with. just like, I just like the attention, but at the same time too, I fucking love it. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. But, uh, no, by all means, I mean, it is one of the, the responsible thing for me to do as a business owner. Um, is to, you know, plug the thing that I'm looking to make some money on. So, yes, let's talk about the Kickstarter. Um, yeah, so, so uh, the, let's see, uh, 30 days? 24 days, actually. 24 days. I have, yeah, I have found that a four-week campaign, there's that middle period where people are changing their mind mm-hmm. for one reason or another. Um, and I've actually run, because I've, run a few Kickstarter campaigns for myself and I've run some for some other clients. Um, and I've actually crunched out the numbers and I've shown very little difference. Like if you were to eliminate the third week in a campaign, it really doesn't make any kind of detrimental uh, difference that you're not going to hit that stretch goal, you know, marker or you're, or even just like, you know, the baseline at all. So, for a little while, I've just kind of made it a three-week campaign, mm-hmm. you know, or just not a full 30 days. And it just kind of takes a little bit of the stress out of just, you know, you're not having that week of watching as many people suddenly say, I saw something else, you know, and then mm-hmm. off they go. Or just like, I didn't get paid this week. And then, they, you know, they do something else, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, it's 24 days is what I uh, what I will be running this one for. Okay, awesome. And, um, and – it's gonna the the basic book, you know. Tell, I mean, tell us about the like end product. So the idea is that it's going to create um, a, a ninety-six page core rulebook okay. uh, for Pandora Total Destruction. That's going to be uh, as a digital PDF. There'll be an EPUB, um, and then uh, any print copies will all be done print on demand through Drive Through RPG. Um, just because with things going on in shipping and printing mm-hmm. and everything else like this, you know, I think it's easier for everybody to just not have to concern ourselves with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, if things get to some kind of ridiculous level that I really, really want, but no, is not going to happen. Sure. Offset print runs and, you know, strike a deal with the uh, indie press revolution and everything else like this. Sure. 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 But a really big, important thing for, my work with Broken Ruler Games, my company, um, is the cover price. It -hmm. is one of those things where games can be ridiculously expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my goal was to find a way to make this as affordable and achievable as possible while without having to compromise and just be like, well, I can put out a small core rule book and then I'll just work on supplements that'll fill in, you know, 
this is one where it's like, nope, 96 pages to do it. Anything else that's going to come out as a result, like with the stretch goals, are going to be the Pandora Academies that mm-hmm. are going to be created by the, these other authors that I've been so lucky to bring on board. Um, and, you know, because the story takes place, it's centered around a Pandora Academy, which is where you go to learn how to use these powers. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a school, sometimes it's a prison, other times it's anywhere in between. And so I've got uh, Aloy LaSanta is going to be writing a stretch school. Um, I've got uh, Stephanie Bryant. Um, uh, they did uh, Threadbare. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to be doing a stretch goal. Alistair Guzman, who also uh, did one called The Maze, which is like it, the title alone, because I'm a sucker for mazes. Oh. And there's this 300-page tome. It's just like, duh. <laughs> so uh, he's going to be doing uh, a Pandora Academy as well. I've got uh, Brandon K. Uh, Atten, I think is how you say his last name. Um, I think if anyone can butcher someone's last name, it's going to be me. So I'm not too worried about it. But um, yeah, he's going to be, he's uh, uh, the one behind uh, Never Going Home, which got uh, quite a few accolades recently. He's going to be doing a stretch goal. And Brendan Bishop um, is also going to be doing one as well. That's the extent of how much further. I'm not looking at supplements, you know, to do a a bunch of, you know, add-ons with it. This 96 page book is going to be what you need to do everything that you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a couple of stretch goals that have alternate versions of the game um, because this was not the first way that I planned on running it. So I have a version that I originally made that involves a dice pool, roll a shit ton of dice and add them up and this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's not practical for everybody. And then I'm also working on a solo play edition. That's a stretch goal too. So, yeah, I mean, the idea is to keep it, I mean, to get a copy it's 13 bucks Canadian, which should come to about 10 bucks American, give mm-hmm. or take. Um, and then there's other stretch goals for just like the little extra kind of perks, like exclusive kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I like to keep all my stuff as affordable as possible. Yeah. Being somebody that is basically on the low income side of the scale, um, I very much appreciate not having to pay 50 bucks just to get a hold of a book. Just just to say that I'm going to put a book in a box for you, I need 50 bucks up front. Then we're going to let you know how much the box and gasoline is going to cost to send it to you. (laughs) For Christmas, my wife bought uh, a copy of, uh, I wrote something for Earth Dawn 4th Edition. Earth Dawn Mm -hmm. is a a setting I've just loved since I was in my 20s. And I got to write something for them. Um, but I didn't really order a hard cover, a hard copy of the book because I knew it was going to be pricey. Mm-hmm. She went ahead and she did that as my Christmas present. I ended up seeing how much it cost. Uh, it ended up costing uh, just over 108 bucks Canadian. Holy crap. To make the fucking thing and then to send the fucking thing. Jeez. Um, now, I love the fact that I have that because that's something now that any time that I have imposter syndrome, I can look at that and say, like, look at that. My name is in this book. That's a thing. You know, like if 25 years ago, if I knew that my name was going to be in one of these books, you know, I would have said, you're joking. Yeah. Uh, And then I would have gotten to this huge discussion with myself. Then You know, then it would have just been a thing. (laughs) But, you know, it's not a $108 book, you know, but that's what it takes to make that book, you know. And so that's why it, it's an important goal for me. Is for me, accessibility in multiple forms is very important to me. And I find keeping something at a very low price point um, 
while still being able to pay my writers like 10 cents a word Canadian and that kind of stuff, you know, mm -hmm. like still paying them, you know, like very decent, you know, rates and wages and those kind of stuff. That's very important for me. Um, the, the other thing I want to point out is the art is amazing. Oh, yes. So all of the art that I have at this point was all, I mean, it's basically stock art from yeah. a person who I, I've never yet had a chance to actually uh, meet online or even be able to receive an email back from or anything just yet. Um, and so um, I hope I'm pronouncing their name correctly, but Tithi Luatfang, um, their work is amazing. So. And the cover is actually three different pieces that I've merged together into a single piece. Um, because there wasn't any one piece that was quite doing the trick, but it was just like, but if I could get this person standing in front of that robot, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but instead of in the middle of the Arctic, uh, you know, put them in the middle of like this ruined out city, uh, building and it's like, boom, 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 and it's done. But there's just so many other pieces that right away, it just defined the look and the tone and everything. It's what sealed the deal. Once I knew that I could have that cover, that that was a potential everything else just opened up from there. Yeah. Um, this is definitely the most art extensive book that I've made to date. I've always been a little light on the artwork and I know art really helps to move, move copies. So that's why I'm just really lucky. And I'm really hoping that I'm going to be able to, because everything I have of TT's is um, stock art, you know, mm -hmm. so other people can get it. But I'm really hoping that I'll be able to work with TZ to make some original stuff. And if not, I have a couple of others, you know, who are more than able to still provide a little bit of kind of variety. You know, mm -hmm. I was a little concerned that if, you know, have one artist doing all the pieces kind of creates a very firm look of this is how the game is supposed to look, just so you know. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you have a little bit of flexibility of said like, or you could go with something that's a little bit more kind of this style or something a little more this style. It doesn't all have to be like, you know, dark and everyone's in shadows, slunched, you know, slouched shoulders and all this other kind of stuff. You know, you can, you can have a character in costume yeah. when you're doing, when you're playing uh, PDT. Um, but to make that initial sale in people's eyes when they see this, I wanted it to be where it's like, Clearly, something very destructive is going on. Clearly, something very dire is going on. Um, the person who is trying to stop it is not wearing a costume. Yeah. Um, and the person trying to stop it clearly looks like they can handle themselves. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah, just that, that cover, it just did it. It just sealed it right then and there. It's so good. And the... the um... The interior art that you that you have too uh, is like I it's it's just um are they are they all kind of composited from from different drawings? No, everything else in the interior art uh they are as is. Okay. Um yeah, I mean it was just for the cover that I did that you know, uh, but yeah everything else there was like so many other great pieces you know in TZ's catalog that were just like yep this totally you know makes that point. Yeah. Um, but it it also got to the point where it's like well I don't want to have just all stock art going all the way through this, but clearly, you know, have some very specific imagery that I'd like to include, mm -hmm. you know, and that's where the Kickstarter comes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, that's fantastic. I, 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 if you had said to me that, um, you know, oh yeah, Tithi's a, an artist that I found that, um, 
that, you know, I had to do art for this, I would have been like, oh, yeah, of course. So it it looks like it's just, I don't know, it's it's really great. It's really great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm very happy with the whole thing and just how all this kind of stuff has come together. Um, Even, too, the other day, like, after, um, you know, like, uh, reading, uh, someone had asked a question uh, about the mechanics of PDT in our game. Mm-hmm. And I remember driving home later on that night and was just thinking, it's like, what if I change the target number, mm-hmm. you know, like the base target number, stuff like this. And it led me down like this probability wormhole where I was just rolling numbers, you know, rolling dice and just be like writing down the results and this location. And that would turn into this much havoc and, you know, okay. But then what if it was this target number? Because the way that the game works is, you know, explain to everyone else. Sure. And who knows? Maybe I'm explaining to you. I don't know. We haven't really rolled dice too much. That's time. true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and when you roll dice so far, actually, Tachyon, uh, we, we've been able to play it off as, well, Tachyon's just coming to this timeline and still yeah. a little confused. So yeah. you've only been rolling like a two and three so far the whole way through. Oh, yeah. It has been great. <laughs> yeah. But the way that it works basically is that uh, anytime you go to do anything where there's a possibility of success or failure, uh, you're going to roll your dice. You're going to roll the action dice, and it's going to be either conflict, interaction, or protection. Mm. Um, and the target number always starts at six. We are currently trying it out at five because we're playtesting. Yeah. And I'm very much starting to lean towards making five as the default, the more, the more I work it out. But you start with the target number. Your character has personal values that define them. Each applicable value to the action drops the target number down so on its own you know without getting your powers involved your values make things easier because they're what motivate you what drive you and they actually are what help with your success the problem is that when you start getting your power involved is that that adds an additional die to the rule mm-hmm. and when pdt starts that die is a d12 your target number defaults to a six yeah. So things there's a very good chance that you will roll high in the beginning. And then what it does is that basically if you using your power and you roll over the target number, you are going to cause havoc, which yeah. are basically, you know, points that you get based on how much over the target number that you roll, and those points have to be spent to cause collateral damage to the you know your immediate surroundings. You can use them to cause harm to your character. And in fact, it's the only way your character can take harm is through havoc. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something where it's like the villain can just target you with an I-beam. You know, it's not that easy. They totally will. And they have no problem taking out the building behind you. Mm-hmm. So they will really cause havoc. Um, but there's other things, too. And it can even get so bad as you can have a power that goes so wildly out of control that it results in you taking on what's called a manifestation. So if you have the ability to throw fireballs from your hands, your power goes so wildly out of control that you can now manifest it so that you are now completely engulfed in flames, Mm -hmm. you know, and that can give you like an enhancement to your current power or it can give you an immunity, you know, that kind of thing. Um, So it, it can just go wild and off the rails in so many ways. The goal to it is that you actually want to hit the mid range. Yeah. Roll too low and then, it's the it's not going to work and you're going to take a complication you roll too high and you're going to cause havoc in either of those cases your action will fail 
you yeah. will not succeed at what you need to do. And now you've got this new mess that is now piled on top of the current scene. You want to get that mid-range where it's like there's a little bit of collateral damage, but it's an acceptable amount of collateral yeah, damage. Right. <laughs> Under the circumstances, we can live with that. Yeah. You know, and there are but, ways that you can say, you know what, that's too much. Right now, at this point in time, I can't take it. I'm going to let the role fail. I'm going to take that hit. And those are the kind of sacrifices that you have to make as the player and as your character in order to stay heroic. Mm-hmm. To say, no, I could totally hit that villain with my power and knock him down a step or actually end this fight. But the only way that I can do that is to also include the bus shelter over there where those people are hiding out. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to do that. I can't do that. I can't bring myself to do that. So I'm going to have the rule fail. And those kind of sacrifices that you make where you choose to fail are ways that you can gain hero points, you know, like things that you can then start to apply because you start to feel empowered. Like I'm doing the right thing. I'm starting, I feel like I'm getting control of the situation, that kind of stuff. So knowing that the game can mechanically back that up, Mm -hmm. you know, and no matter how many times I've tried to rework and crunch the numbers and even then it's just like, fuck, it's even better than I thought. Holy crap. (laughs) You know? And once again, it's this thing where it's like, the only reason why I was able to make this game was because of the accident. The yeah. neuroplasticity that I've gone through, I can actually visualize the things in my head in the sense where I can actually see it and do the whole Tony Stark thing where I just start moving things around and manipulating it yeah. visually. And then I just all of a sudden come up with the, the conclusion of what I need to do. And, you know, like it, it's just been this really great new way for me to be able to look at things from a different light, you know, where I literally feel like I can kind of create this symbol in my head that represents a certain kind of mechanic and then turn it around 360 degrees and say, you know what, from up here, it kind of looks more of like, you know, a pillar, you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, however. Yeah. It's, it's a really hard thing to explain, but seeing that the math backs it up yeah. has been like, huh, neat. and it's been very rewarding and now it's and it's also now shown that it's like oh okay and you can make stories with it and have interesting characters you know it's just like there and you know there's been a couple of times where i've just been able to just kind of leave the room and you guys are just kind of going oh yeah oh (laughs) totally totally it's 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 really it's really conducive to to having like interesting characters because you're you're your people, the 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 um, uh, the 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 I I flaked on the term for the the things you feel, the motivations, yeah, um, the values, values. Thank you. Um, you know, like there's times where I'm like going to interact. I've I've done it where I've had a whole you know paragraph of text, and then I look at it and I'm like, there's something wrong here. And I look at my values. And I'm like, oh, I'm not I'm not there. And I'll like delete it and like start over because I'm like, no, I want to, I want to, you know, to work to this. And, um, and it's like, everybody's kind of working in that, in, in those. And, and of course, you know, then there's the, 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 the power is able to just blow everything up. I mean, the, the fact that it's, a uh, you know, taking the element of, of the superhero genre that is collateral damage and building something out of that is just, I, I, I think it's brilliant. Um, Thank you. 
And, uh, and I love it because it's, you know, I love to break down the superhero genre. I, I always have, uh, you know, I've always, it's a, it's a genre I've always loved. And then I've always also always loved things like Watchmen and, 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 um, bought the boys and stuff like that, that just, you know, let's pull this element out and like really focus on it and stuff like that. And this feels like that, that same degree of like, Oh yeah, no collateral damage. Like, you know, yeah. Man of Steel was, was a bad movie because of the damage that they did to the city. They ruined the city. <laughs> you know, like, like that. But at the same time too, I, I love the action sequences and I, because it's like, well, of course that's what would happen. That's exactly you it. Know? Yeah. I'm the, so, I feel I mean, the same like, way. This is, like Smallville's downtown was devastated. Yeah. Absolutely devastated. And they're lucky. And, you know, like that was kind of one of the motivating factors behind it of just like, you know, I mean, like, you know, it, it's a big CG movie, you know, like, and, you know, you want to do the whole Michael Bay thing of stuff blowing up and everything like that, but it's still a PG 13 movie. And it's just yeah. like, no, you, you have to assume that everyone got out okay because we didn't show people actually hurt and all this other kind of stuff. Right. You know, for me, it was just that whole idea of just like, you know, let's take that and let's roll with it. Yeah. You know, and then just kind of pit people. I, yeah, it's just like a, a different way to look at the genre of like the what ifs, you know, what if this, what if that go Twilight Zone kind of stuff with it, you know, like what if superheroes were the bad guys, you know, yeah. kind of thing, you know, love it. Yeah, that's great. Um, I'm I'm uh, I'm excited to to play it some more um you know, we're doing we're doing a play by post it does play by post really well too yeah once we got kind of like the turn sequence so like the as written it's very much kind of fluid everyone just kind of you know say what you want to do and all this kind of stuff yeah. didn't really quite work for the play by post or play by forum i think technically is what we're doing play, play it's form, on yeah. discord but yeah um once we kind of got an initiative sequence down and everything like that then yeah that sucker is just flowing Oh, yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah, I'm very excited to see how this is all going to go, you know, and that that's once again, it's playing on the whole thing. I don't know how it's all going to turn out. Mm-hmm. I have an idea of what I want to do, and I've got my characters, you know, working behind the scenes and everything else with this. But, you know, I don't know how this is all going to turn out. And I love that fact because yeah. I know that the system is going to force it. It's like I could completely drop the ball and get completely caught up in, you know, a certain side story or something like that. But then the mechanics of the game are going to kick in and say, like, okay, everyone's scenes are up. Now we have to have a battle scene. You mm-hmm. guys, It's got to be a real fight. Sorry, you can't move forward until there's an actual real fight with real risks and everything like that. So what are you going to do? Right, right, right. Okay, i got to do this, and we got to do this. Like, okay, it's the next act. Now, at this point, you got to start answering the questions that were asked in Act One. You can't proceed until you an- you answer those questions. Okay, got gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Got you know, like if the the system and everything is there to keep you on track, but it just allow you to just kind of sit back and just kind of let it let it unravel a little bit in front of you. Yeah, you know. So oh yeah, it's, I love it's it. great. It's it's a lot of fun. I I I recommend I recommend you know I know you said it's not for everybody. I recommend anybody that's a superhero fan and. And loves the the genre and the fiction behind it. Um, I think everyone wants to buy it. I honestly do. I, I think, think so. Every single person wants to buy. It. I don't necessarily think that you want to play it, but you know, I'm yeah. willing to take that risk. If yeah. you want to go ahead and just give me the money on the Kickstarter, sure. You know, and then you can just check it out. You know, yeah. you're gonna lose ten bucks. Worst come to worst, but I you was... know what? It's going towards a good cause. 
Right. Uh, listen, I, if you're if you're listening to this, you've spent ten bucks on something worse than this. So you know that is true. Yeah, that is very true. <laughs> and it's a and it's a spend you don't tell anybody about. You know, like the only people that know were the people who went to Vegas with you, and they know that you <laughs> dropped ten bucks on that. Yeah. And they looked at you. And things have not been the same ever since. Yeah, it's been weird. And you and weird. you dread getting that phone call from the you know the reason why you spent the ten bucks that yeah. basically remind you and then threaten to tell your wife. You know, yeah. like it's that. You know, you've you've done worse with ten bucks yeah. than to yeah. back Pandora at total destruction. Yeah. And that's how anti marketing marketing works. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, well, that's fantastic, um, Todd. Uh, Todd Crapper, it's been great having you on. Um, uh, you are welcome back anytime you want to um, sit in the parking lot. And, and <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and we were talking before oh, we hit recording and stuff like this, and we were just talking about, you know, like the, the change of things, you know, like in analysis days of legal weed and stuff like this. I'm very much very comfortable sitting in back parking lots behind a mall because that's how I used to have to get my weed. So this is my comfort zone. <laughs> I just, I just miss not being able to see familiar faces. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll. But, I'm, I'm looking forward to, 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 uh, to that convention where we get to, to sit down and hang out and play a game together. Um, oh, I'm very much looking forward to that because, yeah, that, that is a thing. I very yeah. much have been deprived of it, but you know, it's all going to be worth it when the time comes and, yeah, you know, we're able to get back to something again. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, everybody, go check out. Uh, Pandora Total Destruction. It is it is on Kickstarter right now um, as you're you're listening to this. So um, go go check it out and and um, and buy it um, and buy a bunch of it or just donate extra money too. Like uh, that's my suggestion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and even better, actually, even even better than that, um, or maybe just as good, um, is to give it a shot. There's a yeah. free there's a free preview edition that's available through Drive Through RPG, Itch.io, and the CDG Marketplace, which is a Canadian online uh, retail outlet that's been mm-hmm. set up by uh, my friend Josh. Um, oh, and it's 50 pages. It gives you a summary of how everything works. It gives you enough to be able to create, you know, a, a PDT character. Um, you know, there's a character sheet that's included. Just you know to kind of see for yourself. Yeah. Um, and get a really broad picture of how everything works. Um, and if it so much as like scratches a little itch of, huh, I wonder if that would work, or I wonder if this person would go for it. If there's even so much as like a little bit of a nudge, you know, then I've yeah. got you. I've got you hooked. And part of my plan has all come together. <laughs> and now you're mine. <laughs> Fantastic, and, yes. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah, just, uh, you know, first one's free. Um, nope, 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 <laughs> uh, too far, too far, pull back. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming out of the lounge. Um, no this problem, has been thank a, you a for real blast. Me. And uh, 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 you've listened, um, so you you know that I, I end every show um, uh, by asking my lounge lizards to stay classy. Would you like to do the honors? Wait, this is the thing that you do? Yeah, every show I I I, I tell my the lounge lizards, my my listeners, um, name name that give them that name by uh, Bo Sheldon, um, to to stay classy. So um, yeah, 
Would you care to do the honors? So I just tell everybody to stay classy. Yeah. You do realize I want you to keep in this whole part where I clearly don't understand what you're talking I about. 100% do. Okay. Because <laughs> this is this is just kind of improv moment 101 right here. I'll yeah. just be like, you want me to what? You want me to tell everybody stay classy? Yeah, you but can do, I, use a cool voice if you want to. You know. But I mean, like, you know, I don't. I don't understand everyone's definition of classy. I mean, like some people don't like to be, some people really like to be crassy. You know what I mean? Like just kind of let, let a fart rip and all this other kind of stuff in an enclosed (laughs) room. You know, I don't want to feel like those people are being excluded in any way. It's just like, you know, sit back with a martini kind of thing. But I mean, if this is, you know, like what your lounge, you know, listeners, you know, like, like, and this is what they do. Um, sure. You know, uh, Stay classy, my friends. Is I that like good? It. Is That's it too great. much? I feel no, like I it's think a little, it's good. I feel like it's a little much. I think should we tone it back a little bit? Yeah, let's let's tone it back a little bit. Let's talk about you know what? Yeah, stay classy. Do whatever you want to do. You know, that's I, great. I, I that's feel great. That, that, that's too far down, you know, at this point. <laughs> Let, let's go for a nice mid range. All right. Stay classy. Wonderful. Perfect. Okay. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna record some other ones when I get home, and I'll email them to you. And you just pick and choose what you want. You just Perfect. you know like exactly use the Ian McKellen approach and just I'm gonna give you 12 different takes. You pick the one you want. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Todd is awesome. Um, what a fun conversation. What a fun. I don't know, what a fun thing to do, just interview cool people like that. Go check out Pandora Turtles Destruction. It's on Kickstarter right now. Todd Crapper's stuff is at brokenrulergames.net. Um, his stuff is awesome, folks. I, I, just go do it. Um, it's amazing to be back. It's been a real hard few years, and I've gotten a lot of great support. I can't wait to get to a con to hug every single one of you. Take it away, Kristen. The Lounge is a misdirected Mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs, with lots of great shows like this one. Misdirected Mark. Go live every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern to break down and get inside games, game mastering, playing games, and game design in an effort to entertain and inform you. The lounge theme, and so it begins, by artificial music, is used under Creative Commons 3.0. Support Contessa at Contessa.rocks. Find your host, Jesse Doc Edmund, at Doc Palindrome on Twitter. All the links from this episode can be found in the episode description.